0: Thank you for joining another conversation, Quick Hits. Today, I would like to ask the question, does an organization or a business need to know how someone is differently abled, like label them, you know, autistic or hard of hearing or whatever the label might be, to be able to offer assistance? Do they need to know who you are?
1: No, personally, I don't think so. I mean, I am an adult with autism. I've also many years ago worked in HR. Um, in hospitals. And a lot of the concessions, if you will, which I don't even consider it that. a horrible
0: that. word, isn't it? It yeah. really
1: is. It really that's is. The one that's used in bureaucracy. And it's like, it's really, uh, you're adapting to different people because everyone has different needs. And for example, one of the ones that, you know, everyone across the board, it was really, really harming was the lighting we had because it was, you know, the seventies fluorescent lighting panels. And we had people who were um, all across all sorts of you know, neurological setups within their bodies that were having issues with this. Also sound, um, sound is insane. Like people that have like, I yes, I'm autistic but I also have really severe post-traumatic stress disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So areas where there's loud noises and loud pe- voices, especially um, like making sure the staff uses indoor voices period. Because no one needs to be singled out, but a lot of these things that people are dealing with and having to basically muscle through at work, a lot of neurotypical people or other people that are maybe not autistic but have other background things going on like depression or higher sensitivity to um, any of their senses. There's a bunch of other things that could be going on that all of these extra stimuli that would be driving an autistic person crazy are also probably driving a lot of other people crazy too that are just... Trying to deal with life on life's terms. Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. Completely agree. That was my experience as well. I've worked in business for seven years, again, HR, administrative, on the C-level team. And we noticed a huge difference the second we started doing little things. Like like Summer said, we swapped out the lights to more natural lighting. Um, We added a small quiet room that was just a conference room, but it was a room that purposely had a dimmer switch. And these are things that, I mean, as, as Summer said, concessions is a horrible word. We called them resources, and I like the word resources, mm. because honestly, everybody benefited from that. I would notice very stressed out execs going into our quiet room that had natural lighting so they could turn it down and get a quiet moment to themselves. Um, and I think that's really where I stand on, on your question, is that really, there are so many things that we can do that would make your again, quote unquote, neurotypical or normal worker also benefit while helping those that do need or would like some extra re- resources.
0: So we yeah. mentioned lighting, we mentioned sound, what other kinds of things could an organization do that is not going to be disappointing or to challenge for the neurotypical person that might be helpful? What other ideas can we offer?
2: sure absolutely um and this one's going to be a sensitive one enforcement of the code of conduct most people who are neurodivergent are very very aware of social engagement and social interactions simply because we've been socially groomed whether it's male or female and we can i'm not going to get into the gender question of who's more groomed right now um but either way we are groomed for performance of a certain type but i have noticed just from real experience those code of conducts have used using those polite manners, of minding your manners and a case in point, allowing everyone to finish their sentence in a meeting. This is something that for someone who has autism, depression, PTSD, ADHD, all of them are going to really struggle and it's going to create a larger emotional repercussion than the neurotypical person who might be like, "Ugh, he cut me off again, moving on in life. So we are inadvertently creating much bigger backlashes than we realize through doing simple things like not honoring what we said we would as a corporation, as an organization, as a team. Not
1: lying is huge, especially not just for people with autism, but that is a lie. When you say there's an expectation and then you don't meet it, you lied. Like period. Period. if you meant to meet mean it and like, oh, maybe I'm working on it, then say that. But if you meant to meet mean it and you just dismissed it, you lied, period. Which again, not just people with autism that are like, that for me was huge. It was funny because actually as a kid, there was a lot of times I would socialize by lying with people because I thought that's how neurotypical people talked. Absolutely. so few people said what they meant, they lied, and they would tell you lip service and do the opposite. So I thought lying was just the way to communicate. And so if you're putting somebody who has gone through occupational therapy, regular therapy, all of the therapies to learn how to communicate in a healthy way in an environment where they're forced to do the opposite, not only is that low-level emotional abuse, um, just that environment and period, but you're also putting, oh my God, so much damage on that person who's gone so far only to like be shoved back to where they are, as well as the fact that um, it makes... Even again, for people who are more neurotypical, almost everyone has some sort of mental disorder. Like period, almost mm-hmm. everyone deals with anxiety or depression or really just crappy self of sense worth, sense of self worth. Um, almost everyone deals with something like that on a normal level. And so, if on top of it you're having to mitigate what's a lie and what's not, and have these extra s- little stresses, they add up tremendously. And a lot of times, what people don't realize too or think about which we do in school with kids and we do at work is what are these people are getting left with at the end of the day to bring home to their families. Mm. And when they are so stressed out all day and spending all their extra spoons of trying to figure out like, are they lying? Are they not? Is this an expectation or is it not? Is this meeting, you know, the boss is going to make sure that Karen isn't a Karen to me again in front of everyone publicly humiliating me again, or am I just going to be thrown to the wolves and like, well, you know, everyone has someone they disagree with toughen up or some sort of, like that the amount of stress that that takes just to get through the day by the end of the day if you have more people relying on you like you're mean you are just downright mean you're burnout and you are a nasty human being and so like even if it's not an autistic person we're also sending home a lot of these workers to their kids and their families mean because they're burned out from the whole day of not being able to trust what's going on having an overwhelming environment having no break having people that are you know you, you can't trust if they're out to get you out to harm you because you can't trust anything out of their mouth. That level, like though, that condition actually is what causes like CPTSD in a lot of people, like mm-hmm. period. If you grew up in that as a child, like you would be not okay as an adult. So if you're doing that as an adult, how does anyone expect anyone to be okay? They can't be.
0: But, right? so that's interesting. How do we, As and I'm going to say we as organizations, Sure. Um, how do we Notice that and catch it because I'm hearing you guys talk. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that's across the board. That happens in every every single conference room I'm in.
2: Absolutely. And this is a really good one that I liked. And I, le- I actually honestly learned this from a CEO that I worked directly with. I was his executive assistant. Um, and what he would do, he would do two things. If it happened in a meeting, he always made sure everyone had a seat at a meeting. But if it happened in a meeting, he would stand up. And just the simple physical action of him standing up would interrupt everyone because one, the leader of the meeting, and then I watched the VPs do it. Because the CEO set that example of, hey, I'm going to physically change where I'm at. I'm going to stand up which in most cultures and in most polite manners, when somebody, especially the host, stands up, it is a call to attention and it is a signal to the end. And usually that's exactly what he would do. He would call it out, not call, hey, Karen, hey, Susan, hey, Tom. He wouldn't call people out, but he would say, this conversation is no longer productive and would walk out of the room.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow
2: secondly what he i'm sorry um just one more thing secondly what i was going to say is the second thing that i really like that he instituted as a mandatory policy across all boards is outside of your employee one-on-one where you had to discuss goals and how are your projects going if you had a direct report such as myself he would mandate that we have a reverse one-on-one where there would be one hour where we would talk about all my things that I needed to do. And one hour where we would talk about all the things I needed from him, Mm. because even as an employee, as a worker, as a subordinate, you have things you need from your manager, from your, from your director, from your exec, whatever your team lead. And if you, these types of microaggressions, so to speak, though I think they're more than microaggressions because they add up, um, build a wall where you can no longer do that. And so he instituted a policy where everybody had to talk. It didn't matter if you fought with your manager on Monday when your Friday one-on-one came up, you had to talk about it.
0: Mm, interesting. Well, we're right at 10 minutes right there. And I know it goes by so fast, doesn't it? So I would like to put it into this one. But let's, let's consider what we want to talk about next, because I think this is a super important subject. So thanks for having this yeah. conversation with me. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Me.